shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sun, uh, the sea, and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of the air or the heavens shall be shaken. Verse 27, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your eyes, because your redemption draws near. Verse 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it shall come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Verse 36, Watch therefore, and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus here is talking about the end times. The signs that would precede His second coming. You can read in the two books of, of Paul's letters to Timothy, where he talks about in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, boasters. They'll love pleasure rather than they love God. They'll hold to a form of godliness, but deny its very power. And that's what I love about sin, is that he, he doesn't have an ounce of religion in him. He loves the power of God. And in a day and an age where they say miracles are a thing of the past, God doesn't quite, you know, when the Bible came, God didn't have to work in the gifts of the Spirit anymore. Those things have ceased. I mean, my own life is a testimony that God never ceased operating in the same fashion that He did in, in Jesus while He walked the seas of Galilee and ministered to the people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But in these last days, the Bible prophesies that there will be many that hold to a form of godliness, but they deny the power that's able to set some people free. You know that there's actual full gospel churches that were born because of the fires of Azusa Street. But now you go into the churches, they have a sign as you walk into the sanctuary, no speaking in tongues here. I mean, like Catherine Coleman used to say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all we've got. If it's not for the Spirit of God, we have nothing to distinguish ourselves on the earth. If it's not for the Holy Spirit, we can be bunched in with every other religion in this world. The thing that marks Christianity and distinguishes us in every generation is the resurrection power of God that flows through His body. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the working of miracles, it never stopped. Paul says one of the last days, uh, prophecies would be that men would turn away from that. The Bible says from such men you should turn away. I don't entertain them. I don't talk to them. You know, you know I'm telling you miracles still happen. I don't get into those arguments. They, they can argue in a back room or on Facebook all they want. I'm going to go and do what God's called me to do. Because God doesn't sit with sitters. God doesn't sleep with sleepers. God moves with movers. And I'm moving, baby. <laughs> I'm moving. So, yes, in the last days, the Bible says difficult times will come. Turn to Malachi chapter 4. Listen to this. Unfortunately, a lot of final Bible prophecy is preached from the negative side of things. Things are going to get bad. Get ready. It's going to be awful. Nothing we can do about it. Hide. Hide your kids. Hide everyone. It's going to get nasty out here. But listen to what prophet Malachi 
I call him Mal Malachi the, Malachi, the Italian prophet. <laughs> Listen to what Malachi says in Malachi 3.16. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord. On the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them. Everybody say, I'm spared. I'm spared. I will spare them. As a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern. Be able to see. So the blessing is a visible thing. It's not some invisible thing. Uh, how are you, brother uh, Ted? Blessed. You don't look blessed. You should notify your face. Because when you're blessed, there's exuberating joy that radiates from you. So I'm not talking about some superficial blessing. I'm talking about a blessing that you can experience. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, you will experience all these blessings if you'll diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. The blessing is not some ethereal thing, some mystical thing. You know, the more mystical you make the Word of God, the more mystical and weird life is going to be. But the more practical you make God's Word, the more practical and the more you're going to experience of God's Word and God's blessing and God's reward. Faith is a living force drawn from the living Word that produces living results. So the Bible says you will again discern. You'll see there'll be a marking distinction between those who serve God and those who serve Him not, between the righteous and between the wicked. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Talking about the drama of the end times. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, they shall be like stubble. Everybody say, that's not me. Because I'm, I'm not wicked. I'm righteous. I want you to make that confession. Say this, you watching at home, say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. That's right. The Bible calls you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you know we're just, we're just wretched, depraved sinners? Not me. Leonard Ravenhill used to say, you can't be a, a saved sinner any more than you can be a married bachelor. You're either married to Christ or you're married to the world. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm redeemed. My sins have been blotted out. And now I've become, he who knew no sin became sin on my behalf so that I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in my heart. There's no shame. There's no guilt. All those things have passed away. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Some people, they're so religious, they can't even say what the Bible says about them. Say I'm righteous. I can't say that. Say I'm holy. I can't say that. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So this category is not speaking about you. The proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be like stubble. And the day which is coming will burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you who fear my name. Say, that's me. So what does the word say about you? Unto you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. And thou shalt trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, your case is different in these last days. 
Isaiah 60 says, in the last days, darkness will cover the earth. Gross darkness will be upon all the peoples. But it says, but unto you, my glory will be seen on you. The most supernatural activity that the world has ever seen will be in these last days. The most miracle sign God has reserved his best for last. The devil has an agenda for the end times. But God is not lost backed up into a corner not knowing what to do angels we need to have a final last second meeting I don't know what we're gonna do I didn't ex I didn't expect the devil to do that I didn't know who was gonna be in the White House at this moment I really thought the other guy would win that's how some Christians talk you see who got elected in who cares who cares who got elected he's king of kings he's lord of lords he's alpha and omega he's the first and the last he's the beginning and the end he lives forevermore. So the way some Christians preach, they don't believe this part of the Bible. Do you hear who's... Well, I really hope the next guy, you know, whoever comes in... Look at what God did in a time where we have had a very bad... Um, how would you say it? Government. <laughs> Look at what God did. God could have overturned Roe v. Wade when Trump was in power. God could have overdid, overturned Roe v. Wade years ago. He could have done it. Did it during the most wicked administration in our nation's history. And one day, the whole thing. You know what that marked? Roe v. Wade being overturned. And the Lord spoke this to my spirit not long ago as I was praying around my neighborhood. That is the first domino to fall. That will kick into motion a series of victories and triumphs for the church until the rapture of the church we're in the glory days of the body of Christ on the earth so God could have overturned him many times but he waited for this because he doesn't care who's in the White House he doesn't care who's in the Senate he doesn't I mean it's it's nice to have you know people that agree with us and stuff we pray for that we pray for righteous leaders of course I'm not saying to stop praying for that but it doesn't impede on what God desires to do God is able to save by many or by few. As long as you'll, you'll join his chariot, you're on the winning side. Amen. Amen. So I want to go through, in these last days, I want to go through four areas that God will keep you in. Four areas you don't have to worry about. No matter what the world experiences, it'll be minus you. Four areas that God has never failed to protect his children in through all of biblical history. Number one, in the area of sickness and disease. You don't have to fear viruses, pestilences, and deadly disease. Turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. One of my favorite psalms. I almost got it tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> that way I don't have to reply to people that say, Hey, you should, you should you know, get ready for this next thing. Just point them right there. Psalm 91. This is what the Bible says. And you know, I want you to, when I read this, I don't want you to, to listen as if it's, you know, some random letter. That's for a select few individuals. The apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. This is God's word for you. The more personal you make this Bible, the more personal the reward will be in your own life. The more disconnected you get from it, that's how a lot of Christians are. They're, they're so quick to believe God for everyone else. But when it comes to actually exercising the faith for them 
Oh, I don't know if God could ever do that for me. He'll do it for you. He loves you. The Bible says, even if your mother or your father forgot you and forsake you, I, the Lord, will never forget you. For I have written your name on the palms of my hand. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. As I was with Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High takes a special group of people, and those of you watching online, to set apart a whole hour of your day to just listen to the Word of God and sit under the teaching of God's Word, you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide. So what happens when you dwell? You will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the protective power of God Almighty. And the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord. So you notice it's important what you confess. You line up your confession with the world's confession, you'll have what the world has. Well, I don't know how we're going to live in this economy to that economy he supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory I will say of the Lord so your confession matters you will have what you say Jesus said on the negative side or on the positive side the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue you get to choose what you release that's why Joshua drew a line in the sand and he said, I call heaven and earth before you. I've set before you blessings and life, cursing and death. Oh, that you would choose life, that both you and your descendants would live. The way you choose life is by lining up your word, your word with God's word. And you're never wrong when you quote God's word. You can never be wrong when you quote the Bible. This is what the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly disease. Perilous pestilence is deadly disease. Well, I know what the Bible says, but we've got to use wisdom. Is there any higher wisdom than God's Word? Is there any higher wisdom than God's Word? And God's Word says... I'll keep you from sickness and disease. Exodus 23, 25. If you will serve the Lord your God, He will bless your bread and your water. And He will take sickness out of your midst. That's not even I'll heal you when you get sick. I'll put a force field around you that you won't even get sick. You won't even get, you won't even have viruses come into your house. You understand you can live like that? That's not fairy tale, hallmark card greeting. That's the word of God. The Bible says the flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It's God breathed. It's God inspired. He didn't waste his time doing this. So you can have some reading material as you get your butt whooped by the devil day in and day out. This is God inspired. This is God breathed. The same breath that breathed on Adam when life came into Adam is the same breath, the ruach, the spirit, the wind of God that is in this book. And you want to know what Reinhard Bonnke used to say? First time he was going up to preach uh, a crusade in Africa, he was nervous. Imagine Reinhard Bonnke nervous, but it was his first time. And he didn't know exactly what he should do. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, my son, my word 
in my mouth the first time I spoke it is just as powerful as when you speak it today. God's word in his mouth is just as powerful as his word in your mouth. That's why it's a, it's a risk to stay quiet. When the devil talks, talk back. When the devil launches an attack, launch a counterattack. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. What did Jesus do? Father, I just bind it. No, he didn't do that. You know what he did? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Came again. Took three scriptures to get the devil off Jesus' back. It won't take more than three scriptures to dismantle the plan of hell, to wipe you out. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But you're walking into life abundantly today. Whether the devil likes it or not, he should have killed you when he had you. It's too late. You're walking in to the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Perilous pestilence, you shall cover. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You'll not be afraid of the terror by night. Everybody say, I will not be afraid. Those of you watching right now, say, I will not be afraid. It's a choice. Every human's going to feel the sentiment of fear, the emotion of fear. The spirit of fear will try to weasel himself in to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a general in the faith. People think that men like Sid, generals of the faith, that they never, they never experience fear ever in their life. No, it's just that at the sight of fear, at the moment fear knocks on his door, he knows how to take the thought captive to the obedience of Christ, cast down the stronghold, stamp on the devil's head, and then fill himself with words of faith. Whenever fear, fear tries to make you cry, fear tries to get you discouraged, fear tries to get you to back down. Those are the ten spies. We know the land is good. We know that God promised to give it to us, but, you know... If we're going to be real with ourselves, the giants are far too big for us. And what did they do? The people's hearts were, the Bible says, the people's hearts were discouraged. Joshua Caleb had said the opposite and they picked up stones to stone them. People of faith can never be understood by people of unbelief. People that are on the same frequency. It, it makes no sense. It's like you're speaking a different language. But I don't care if you don't understand me. God understands the language of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you got faith, He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You're going to taste of that reward in Jesus' name. So you, you, whenever fear tries to make you cry, do the opposite. Laugh. 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 <laughs> Sometimes you've got to laugh in the natural and then it kicks in. The Bible says in Philippians 1.28, In no way should you be terrified of your adversary. In no way should you be terrified of the devil, which is a sign to him of his destruction, but to you of your salvation. When you learn to laugh after the devil's thrown his best at you, it's like hell has to group up and have a meeting and say, I don't know what's going on. We've done everything. Look at it in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas in prison, scheduled for execution in the morning. They could have just said, oh, Silas, after this, I, I, I swear, I'm quitting the ministry. I thought things would go better for us instead. Here we are, scheduled for execution. I'm still recovering from the last 
last beating we got when we were in Galatia and things aren't getting better. They could have got discouraged. They could have given up and quit. But they started to say, he that began a good work in us, he shall bring it to completion. If God be for us, who can be against us? And in that prison cell, they begin to sing praises loud and high and God sent an earthquake. Everyone's shackles were broken. Everyone's prison cells came open. You know why? Because God didn't send an angel to break them out. God himself stepped into that prison. Psalm 114, the earth shakes at the presence of the Lord. The earth trembled at the presence of the Lord. It doesn't matter what the devil's done to you. It doesn't matter what you're going through tonight. I'm telling you, you're one prayer away from the power of God sweeping you out of that rock and putting you on the rock to stay in Jesus' name. Be afraid. I will not be afraid. I will not give up and quit. I will not give up and quit. He that began, he that began a, good work in me, a good work in me, he's gonna bring it to pass. In faith, I'm I, man, the spirit of faith is here right now. Some of you came in, you didn't know how you were gonna break out. Now you're gonna leave this place looking. Where are you, devil? Let me find you. You know, that's how men like Wigglesworth was. Wigglesworth went to bed one night. And uh, while he was sleeping, he said, I got awake and I felt a dark presence in the room. I woke up and I looked at the foot of my bed and there was the devil just staring at me, looking over my bed. You know what he did? Oh, it's just you. And he went back to bed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lester Summerall has a similar story. He was uh, in, a, in a hotel room and the window blasted open and a wind came in and shook the bed moved it to the middle he, he knew it was a demonic presence so he, he took authority you foul spirit leave so the spirit left but the bed was still in the middle of the room and uh, things had shifted in the room he's like I'm not getting up he said get back in here move my bed back to where it was and then get out you know Wigglesworth said he was sitting one day and he used to do bird watching so he'd watch birds and stuff I, I'm, it's not in, I'm not into that stuff but he was and he said I saw this lady one time and she was getting ready to catch a bus that was coming near her uh, near her home and her home was right behind her and her dog was with her and she was playing with her dog and the bus started to approach and so she said Toby get back in the house Toby move back in the house and uh, the dog just wagged its tail disrespectfully and peed on the tree you know <laughs> finally the bus was like five 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 yards or ten yards away and she knew the urgency and so she said get back in that house the dog tucked its tail between its legs ran back into the house did the laundry that day made lemonade for when she got home Wigglesworth said without even thinking I got up and I said that's how you gotta do the devil the devil's not a gentleman quit treating him like that you have authority you have power to cast him out and take dominion to trample him underfoot Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he shall run from you as in terror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number one, God will preserve you and keep you from sickness and disease. He's still Jehovah Rapha. He's still Jehovah Rapha. Why are we going to believe that he's still Jehovah Tzikednu, the Lord our righteousness? Believe that he's still Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here and present. Believe that he's still Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd. Believe that he's all the other compound names of Jehovah. But then when it comes to healing, we're, oh, you know, sometimes we don't know why. He's made it very clear. Study the Gospels. There's no record of Jesus ever being sick. 
There's no records of the disciples ever being sick, people that were just associated with them. No records of it. There's not like a time where Jesus had to tell Peter, hey, you guys go to Nazareth. I've got to stay behind here. I've got a bad case of the flu. You know, you guys go ahead. Oh, that was Jesus. Did you hear my testimony? That's the exact religious devil that told me that that was Jesus. Jesus came to paint the picture as to what you should look like as a child of the Most High God. John 1.12, to them that received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. You're a child of God. You're sitting at the same seat of authority in heavenly places, far above every power and every principality. So whatever, the Bible says, oh, let me finish it. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the owl that flies by day, nor of the sickness that walks in darkness, so you don't have to fear it, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand can fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. These evils will not come near you. If you would see around yourself, there's a wall of fire. Isaiah 54, 14, in righteousness you will be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression and from terror. It shall not come near thee. And sickness is an oppression of the devil. Acts 10, 38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Sickness is an oppression from the devil. And the Bible says you'll be far from it. I prophesy in the name of Jesus Christ. Sickness is going to lose your address. Sickness is going to lose your residential address. Sickness is leaving your body right now. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, it is being evacuated. The fire of God, the all-consuming fire of God is burning every symptom, every pain, every trace of that disease. I know there's people watching right now. You've been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and the doctor said there's not much time. Let me tell you something. The doctor may have given you a report, but God has a better report, and that is you shall live, and you shall not die, and you shall declare the works of the Lord. The devil made an appointment for you to die, but God's made an appointment for you to live. You'll testify of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No evil shall befall you. No evil shall befall you. No evil shall befall you. Well, we're not promised victory and everything. No evil shall befall you. Nor shall any plague, sickness, disease come near your... Lift your hands. Power of God's on you. The healing power of God's hitting you right now. Receive it right now. Jesus. There it is. There it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your tent. God will take good care of you. He's never failed to keep his children healthy. In the Old Testament, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And there was none weak, not sick. There wasn't even any weakness. There was none feeble amongst all their tribe. If God can keep them supernaturally cared for in the area of their health under the old covenant how much more shall he take care of you and your family in this better covenant based and established on better promises we don't have the blood of goats we don't have the blood of ox we don't have the blood of a natural lamb we have the blood of the actual lamb of God that serves as a neon red glowing sign on our doors to every devil every sickness you must pass over me as for me and my house.
We serve the Lord. Number two, God will care for you in the area of finances. He'll provide for you. You think the promises that God will care for you are just for, you know, the Bible is written just for times of peace? No. Most of these stories were in times of hectic, hectic history. Most of these stories of the Bible were not everything was stable on the earth. Messy times. Isaac in a famine like the days of Abraham. And Genesis 26 says he sowed in that same famine. If you're a giver, you're tied into heaven's economy. You're not tied to the earth's economy. You seen the stock market? It's going to crash. I look at the glory market and it never crashes. <laughs> stock market can crash all it wants. But just like Isaac sowed in the midst of the famine, he connected his finances with heaven. He was a giver in that same year where the Philistines were sowing. The Philistines were digging wells, trying to dig wells, trying to find water. They were doing everything in the natural. Nothing worked for them. But then here comes the seed of Abraham, which you're the seed of Abraham. If you belong to Christ, Galatians 3 says, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the same promise. So what Isaac had belongs to, the Bible actually says, we brethren, as Isaac, are children of the promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He sowed in a famine, and in the same year where the Philistines were dry, he reaped a hundredfold return. That widow of Zarephath, and I believe that I'm speaking to someone right now. I believe it's a woman. You don't have a man in your life, and you have children. Just like that, I feel that strong in my spirit. That widow of Zarephath received an instruction from the Lord before Elijah even got there. And the Lord said, I've, you're to comm I'm commanding you to provide for my prophet. Elijah shows up on the scene and he says, give me, give me something to drink. And she, as she was going to get water, he stopped and he said, bring me first a cake before you make anything. She said, my master, I'm not telling a lie. This is the last, I only have a few more things in my uh, uh, my bin of flour and there's just a little bit of oil in the jar after I prepare this last meal me and my children are going to die and they weren't saying they were going to wait till starvation kicks in they were saying we're going to take our lives after this because nobody waits for starvation to kick in and in, oftentimes in countries where there is famine they do that they don't wait because starvation is an ugly thing so they were going to off themselves and the Bible says that Elijah gave her a command and said don't be afraid that's the one thing that keeps people from giving is fear what I'm going to do without the tithe the offering was not so that God can take from you the tithe and the offering was instituted so that God can actually release blessing to you so that you can increase and flourish and multiply and that more could be added unto you and she didn't understand that but Elijah reassured her do not be afraid do as I have said and as surely as the Lord of hosts lives the bin of flour will never be used up and the jar of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends water on the earth. They are telling, even economic analysts are telling us that there's going to be economic disaster in the coming years. And I don't doubt it. The way people are running the countries, inflation and everything, I don't doubt it. But I want to let you know, just as God took care of Isaac, just as God took care of Elijah, just as God took care of Abraham, just as God took care of Joseph, just as God through Jesus said don't worry about your life don't worry about your body look at the lilies of the valley how beautifully I clothe will I not much more clothe you it doesn't don't look at the world's resources the world's resources will rise and fall heaven's resources are unlimited 
There is overflow and abundance. And I prophesy in Jesus' name, no matter the economic downturn that this world will experience, you shall feast on the goodness of God. You'll never be in lack. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He will anoint your head to overflow and goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Number two, God will provide for you. Number three, God has never failed to give peace to his people in the midst of panic. Never. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, such as I give. And if the world didn't give it to you, the world can't take it from you. Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep in perfect peace those whose eyes are stayed on him. Those whose eyes are stayed on him. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says it'll be like a peace that flows like a river. Like a river. Jesus said it this way, come unto me all that are thirsty. All that are weary. All that are heavy laden. You've turned to alcohol. You've turned to drugs. You've turned left, right. You've turned to money. You've turned. You thought fame would solve it. He says all those things are, they're cisterns with holes in it. Produces nothing. Does squat. Ask the richest people. Robin Williams was the face of comedy. And he killed himself. Jesus said, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and learn of me. Take my yoke. It's easy. And my burden, it's light. When you serve Jesus, it's not meant to be hard. I know a lot of preaching revolves around how hard it is to serve God. It was hard for me to serve the devil. That's when I had OCD. That's when I had depression. That's when I had anxiety. That's when I was messed up. That's when I couldn't have peace. But when I joined my hands with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, He is like peace like a river. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That river is here right now. That river is here right now. That river is flowing in your living room, right where you're at. That river, some of you are watching this on your iPhone in your car. And that river is flowing in your car. Gone are the days of crying yourself to sleep. Psalm 126 shall prove true for you in Jesus' name. When the Lord brought the captives back to Zion, they were like them that dream. And their mouths were filled with laughter. And their tongues were joyful singing. God's going to put a new song in your heart. Oh, it'll be a new song. He has made me glad. The devil tried to make you sad, but he has made you glad. He's turning that frown upside down, weeping endured for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Instead of your sackcloth of sorrow, God is going to put on you the garlands of praise. Instead of your spirit of heaviness, He's going to give you the oil of joy in Jesus' name. I curse the work of depression in your life. Lift your hands in this studio audience, and those of you watching, lift your hands. I curse the work of depression. I command that foul devil of heaviness some of you feel like you carry the world on your shoulders. That's not how God designed you to live. That heaviness is lifting off of you right now. That heaviness is lifting off of you right now. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. For the God of peace, he's called the God of peace. He's not the author of confusion. All the confusion and the distortion and the lack of clarity in your brain. Some of, I'll feel this right now. Some of you, you have a cloud. You can't think straight. 
You can't think straight. The simplest things, mathematical equations, five plus five, it takes, it's hard for you to, you can't think straight. There's a cloud. That cloud is dissipating right now. It's evaporating right now. It's lifting off of you right now. And the mind of Christ shall begin to operate in and through you. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, do you, do you, do you ever see Jesus panicking? No. That mind is in you. The mind of Christ is in you. Do you ever see Jesus depressed? No. That joy is in you. That mind, you know, Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. So that means whatever doesn't flow through Jesus has no place in my life. You have to have a holy violence, an aggressive action towards those things. You can't just, well, in the Lord's timing. His timing was 2,000 years ago at the cross. He's been waiting on you. Redemption is a finished fact. I'm not waiting to be redeemed. I is redeemed. I am born again. I can pull up a seat to the table of God and feast on His blessing. I can, I can order anything off this menu now because I'm redeemed. I've been invited to the table of God. This is the menu. You can go to Isaiah 53 and 5 and say healings on the menu. I'm ordering that today. You can go to, uh, you can go to Philippians 4, 6 that says that the God of peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Mental peace, mental clarity is on the menu. I'm ordering that on the menu today. The Bible says He'll give me rest. I'm ordering rest today. Whatever it is you need, the Word of God is the menu. And you can order anything off of it and experience that in your life right here. Number three, God has never failed to provide peace for His people. Number four, and I love this, God has never failed to pour out His Spirit on His remnant no matter what the devil was doing in that generation. God has never failed to pour out His Spirit on people no matter the generation they live in. You look at it all throughout, there's a book actually, 2,000 years of charismatic history. Because people think like, oh, this just happened uh, since 1906. People have been speaking in tongues all through the years. The gifts of the Spirit never stop fully. There's always been pockets of revival. And I started off by saying that the devil has a plan for a generation. And he's ramped up his efforts. But the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, what God's plan is for this last generation. And God said, I will pour out of my Spirit. On all flesh, young and old, male and female, and young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams, and I'll show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth beneath. And in that day, many will call on the name of the Lord, and will be saved. You know what Isaiah 2 verses 1 through 4 says? In the last days, saith God, what days are we living in? He said, in the last day, says God, the mountain of the Lord, which represents the church in prophecy, will be higher than the mountains of the earth, and all nations shall flock unto it. That prophesies of the last day revival. That prophesies of what God's, He's already doing. We're in revival, but we haven't seen the fullness of it. And I'm here to tell you, in French they say, attache that tuc, which means tie your hat, because it's about to get insane we're about to see an unprecedented move of God I was talking to Sid once and he said don't box don't put God into a box 
It doesn't matter what you have seen. God is going to blow past the expectations of people. We're going to see new things. We're going to see whatever you saw in Reinhard Bonnke's ministry. We're going to see beyond that. Whatever we see in A. A. Allen's ministry, we're going to see beyond that. Whatever we saw in Teal Osborne's ministry, we're going to see beyond that. God has reserved His best for last. And you're part of that generation that's going to usher it in. That's why God wants to fill you with His Spirit to overflow. God cannot just do things at random on the earth. He just can't. He doesn't just do things. He moves through His body. He moves through people. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through, throughout the whole entire earth seeking one whose heart is loyal to Him. When God wanted to shake Samaria, He called Philip. When God wanted to shake Cornelius' household, he didn't send the angel to preach to Cornelius. He sent the angel to tell Cornelius, get Peter and he's going to tell you words by which you can be saved. God uses people to get his work done. God used Esther to break national Israel out of the hands of Haman. God used Joseph in the days of seven years of famine to preserve the human race from extinction. God used Abraham to bring his seed, Jesus, on the earth. God used David. Everybody's complaining about the Goliath in our generation. Just like the Israelites did. They backed down. He's too big. His sword's too big. His javelin's too big. David got on the scene anointed with the spirit of might. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This very day I will cut your head off and feed your body to the birds of the air. God's raising up the tabernacle of David. A generation of Davids are rising up. And we're about to see an accelerated harvest in these last moments of time. Samson is a type of the church. Samson started out, his hair was long. He obeyed, he didn't compromise, and God worked mightily through him. Did some of the greatest victories of the Old Testament in the book of Judges through the life of Samson. Then Samson compromised. He lost the anointing. And he was tied to that, the pillars of the Philistine camp. And they mocked him and scoffed at him. And the devil can mock a powerless church. The devil can mock a compromising church. The devil can mock a church that hasn't put on spotless, without spot, without blemish garments. But in that moment where Samson was, his eyes gauged out, gouged out of his eye, out of his sockets, tied there, being spat on, he prayed one last prayer. He said, God, give me one more victory. One more victory. Don't let me go out like this. The Bible says his hair began to grow again. And the Spirit of God came on him as it had been, as he had received before. And he pulled the pillars down. And Samson, in his death, killed more Philistines than in his entire lifetime. That's a type of the church. We compromise along the way. But God's raising up a generation of uncompromised, righteous people who said, I'm not going to hold to a form of godliness. I'm going to have the power of God at work in me. I'm, I'm going to fast and pray to secure power with God, to see my generation free from the power of the devil. Like David said in Psalm 71, 18, God forsake me not, un even when I'm gray-headed and old of age, until I've shown your power to this generation and thy mighty works unto all who come. Yes. 
the hairs grown back on the church, we're going to see more souls saved in these next few moments of time before the rapture of the church than the entire history of the church combined. And you get to be a part of it. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I'm marching on in, in the army of God, as a trained Navy SEAL to see God work through me and reach this generation. How about you? How about you online? Lift your hands. God's marking you right now. It's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. That old song that, that we sing. The things of this world grow strangely dim. When the Holy Spirit marks you, your own ambitions, your own agenda, your own desires, they grow strangely dim. You don't want them anymore. What you thought you wanted is no longer interesting to you. There's new desires that come up on, on the inside of you. In this last period of time, God's going to use you as a wrecking ball in His hand to tear down the pillars of lawlessness and build a work for God on the earth. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'll build my church, but when things are about to close up, we're going to get a different... Well, even in the last days, I will build my... Oh, hallelujah. There's an anointing on that. I will build my church even in the last days. And the gates of hell will try. And the gates of hell will attempt to prevail against the church. But it will fail every single time. Because there's no weapon formed against the body that can ever prosper. And every tongue that rises up against it shall be condemned. I feel this so strong in my spirit. There's some of you watching right now. You have the call of God to go into a nation that you're not even allowed to get into. God is going to make a way to get you into that nation. God is just like Saul, or Paul rather, was let out of a ba from a basket, let out of Damascus through a little hole in the wall. God is going to make a little hole in the wall. You're going to get into that nation. And you're not going in word only. The gospel is not in word only. It is a show and tell. God's equipping you right now. The anointing you're feeling surging through your body is what they experienced on the day of Pentecost when they were all together in one accord and suddenly came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were at and Peter the shaken reed became the solid rock and even his shadow from that day onward was healing the sick your shadow shall heal the sick not only will you not get sick the residue of the anointing on you you'll take handkerchiefs and aprons from your body and it will blow sickness out of people's lives it'll take demons will be, will, be, will be lifted off people's shoulders just by your handkerchief just by your presence just by your shadow in Jesus mighty name in the name of Jesus Christ in Jesus name 